0: Welcome, everybody, to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Woolwood's Faith and Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mari Sakasa, and hope that you guys are having an amazing day today. Well, cut to Drake, because today we are talking about God's plan for our lives. Does God have a plan for you, for me? Is it a good plan? <laughs> does it take our will into consideration? And if he does have a plan, how do we know about it? Well, joining me on the show today is Father Timothy Gallagher, popular author and a sought-after lecturer on the topic of discerning God's will. In today's show, we discuss whether or not God has a specific plan for our lives, what freedom do we have to forge our own destiny and direction, reframing discernment as a skill that needs to be developed, dealing with perceived failed discernments in our lives, and always choosing to, quote-unquote, begin again After a failed discernment. When the show is done, please find me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa to offer your thoughts about today's episode. I look forward to receiving them, and please know that we are all in this journey together, pursuing God's plan and his will for our lives. So let's get into this conversation with Father Timothy Gallagher. Well, Father Timothy Gallagher, thank you once again for joining me on the Always So Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well and um, happy to be back here again, Mario. <laughs>
0: well, very grateful. Last time we were interviewing in your little room up in Omaha. So now we're trying Skype. And again, to my listeners, we're this is still hashtag quarantined edition of the podcast. So if you hear the kids yelling in the background, uh, you'll know that comes that's coming from my side uh, of the conversation. <laughs> Well, Father Timothy, last time we spoke at a, a length about um, spiritual discouragement, and, um, and we kind of ended the conversation speaking about just kind of touching into God's will and how to discern God's will for our life. And I think that's really where I want to kind of pick up in this conversation. Now, I know for, for me in my counseling practice, um, I have a number of individuals who I'm working with that are discerning marriage. They may be in a dating relationship, and there's a lot of anxiety that they experience, or maybe they are, uh, in religious life or seminarians just, it just seems like there's a lot of, I don't know. I just, anxiety is the word that I keep coming back to, like angst about like, am I doing what God wants me to do? Or maybe they've, they've left a religious community and now they're trying to figure out their life kind of post that. So we'll we'll get into all of it, but just honestly, this may be like a dumb question, but I'm going to start with the dumb question. Um, like honestly, does God have a plan for our lives? (laughs) And I mean, like, I know that there's the commandments and this this is the the framework for the question because I've heard this from others as well. So give a little context. I know God's given us the commandments and I know God has given us the the rules and discipline. And there's a large sandbox that we get to play with that we can be creative and express our own free will and energy into what our own life is. So, I mean, in that though, does does God have like a plan for us or does he give us an extensive amount of freedom to be able to make our lives our own? Or is there a both and in that? What, what, what are your thoughts as we kind of begin the conversation that way?
1: Mm-hmm. It's a both and, but uh, the two parts are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way to answer the first part of that question, does God have a, let's say, a personalized plan for each one of us? Did God from all eternity when he planned to create you or me or any one of us at a given time in a given place, did he have a specific mission for that person that is unique to that person? And the answer to that is, as in all things, to look at Jesus. And if you ask that question about Jesus, the answer is immediately, uh, as clear as it could possibly be, that um, he came into the world with a specific mission given to him by his Father. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Coming into the world, Jesus said, to do your will is my delight. Quoting Psalm 40 in the uh, letter to the Hebrews. I do always what is pleasing to him. Uh, Not my will, but your will be done. And this in every detail. When the disciples seeing the crowds coming to Jesus want him to stay in that place because there's so many people, Jesus says, no, I need to move on to the other towns because it was for this that I was sent. Whatever I say, I say as the Father gives me to say. And we could go on through the entirety of the Gospels, especially, I suppose, in the Gospel of John where you see this. And that is enormously comforting for every one of us because what that says is that we who are made in the image of Jesus um, are also loved by God not only enough to give us life and existence, but also to give a meaning to our lives that to use the vocabulary of St. John Paul II is unique and unrepeatable. And you know, Mario, I think every one of us feels that at some deep level. We may doubt at times uh, of our unique value, but when, if we do, that's always accompanied by great suffering and a sense that things aren't the way they really ought to be. When we know that we are loved this way and that our life has unique meaning. So if here's a woman, for example, just we could take any example, yeah. who is the mother of these three or four children. She is the only woman in all of history who is called by God to be the wife of this man and to be the mother of these children in this time, in this place, in this situation of health, with these needs on the part of her children, with these financial issues, Uh, with this uh, local situation in the church and so on, and there's no one else. And one of the most beautiful texts to quote in this regard is um, that often quoted text of now St. John Henry Newman. It's a meditation on creation as a source of hope. What he's doing is he's reflecting on the fact that we are the work of God's loving, creative hands. And entering into that, reflecting on that, as a source of great hope, which, and he's really right on that. But the famous part of the quote is where, when he says that um, God has entrusted to me, speaking in the voice of anyone reading this meditation, God has entrusted to me some work which he has not entrusted to anyone else. I am necessary for his purposes. Whatever I am can never be thrown away, and he goes on. Finally, he says a sentence that I've always loved. It's just four words. But we, if we can engrave these into our consciousness, us as forever, I have my mission. Mm. And it's a mission that no one else has. So if you think, for example, of, um, to go back to the initial question, mm. does God have a specific plan for every one of us? Well, did God have a specific plan for Francis of Assisi? Did God have a specific plan for St. Therese of the Child Jesus, for her parents, for example, if we know their story? Did God have a specific mission in mind for John Paul II, and we can extend that to every one of us participating in this con- in this conversation? So the answer to the first part of the both and is a resounding and joy-filled and love-enveloped yes. Mm-hmm. Now, are we free? Absolutely. Everything about us uh, is just as in Jesus. Jesus is utterly free. You know. Not my will, but your will be done. It's a free choice. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And we could go through all the scriptures. So God's plan for our lives never eliminates our freedom. It always presupposes our freedom. If we say yes to it, uh, there'll never be any coercion. It will always be a free yes, of course, a yes that God is longing for us to make as, for example, when the angel comes to Mary and asks her to to be the mother of Jesus. And let's keep in mind there, there's no other Mary waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. Um, And her yes, of course, has all the happy consequences in her life and through her for the world that we know. So both, both parts are very real. And I suppose, Mario, that's where discernment comes in. Yes, there's a plan and it's a beautiful plan and it's where we're going to be most fruitful and happiest in this life and unto eternity. Are we free to choose it? Absolutely.
0: So I, thank you. You know, I think in my own life, as I reflect about my own major discernments, and and I remember when I was a college student and I was discerning a religious vocation or seminary, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, is God calling me celibacy or is God calling me to marriage? I felt very clearly that God was calling me to marriage, I met my wife soon thereafter in a decision that I haven't doubted um, or regretted, I should say, you know, and have been very pleased with. Uh, for the last 17 years of my life. And, and it really came down to that in terms of saying like, okay, well, what in the end, like where's my path to holiness? Like what is going to make me the best version of myself? And I would say, well, it's, it's, in, it's in married life and, and in my children. And I can say the fruit of that now is, is you know, is, is, is without a doubt is an absolute yes. Like I know I'm a better person living, having lived a vocation and, and still living it. Of course, it's not we're not, we know we're, we're not dead yet. But I guess where, where where maybe I get, and I can speak for myself here, get confused sometimes when it comes to discernment is to say that, is that enough in terms of my mission? Is my mission, certainly that's my vocation, that's what matters most. But in terms of what I do on top of that, whether it's um, uh, an avocation or uh, or my occupation, I should say, ultimately I know it's at the service of that primary mission, but like, is God calling me to continue this podcast or continue counseling or, you know, any of those type of questions? Like, is, is it, is there a place where, where we should, let me frame it another way, you know, frame, looking at the little things that God's calling us to and be responsible to those. How much do we push that towards kind of bigger endeavors or bigger projects? Or is that just too individual of a question to even be able to talk about in a general sense?
1: No, I think it's an excellent question and an important one because the vocational discernment that you spoke about is the major discernment in any of our lives. But then there's every day of our lives, which mm-hmm. is most of it. And every day is filled with endless choices to make. Now, if we want, as Paul says, um, and Paul says that Jesus is Lord, if we want that to be real in our lives, then we want him to be Lord of everything in our lives. And not only the one big decision that we make, But we love the Lord, we know his love, um, and we want everything in us to be a yes to him. So the question of asking ourselves, what does God want me to do today? Or does God want me to undertake this work or a different work and so on? Those are very real and important questions. Now, depending on the nature of the choice, we're going to spend more or less time, practical terms, with this so, if it's the vocational discernment, we're probably not going to make that too quickly, uh, and we're going to—we know that it's significant, and we're going to take that with the seriousness that's, that's required. Let me go to the far other end of the uh, of the spectrum. Please, let's say that uh, I'll just give it in my own life as a priest. I have just finished celebrating morning mass in the parish, mm-hmm. and um, I have a meeting and people waiting for me over in the rectory. And the meeting is due to start in a minute or two. And I'm walking across the parking lot in the parish and a man or a woman comes up to me in evident distress and says, Father, can I speak to you? I really need to speak to you. All right, I have to make a choice here. I I wanna do what the Lord wants me to do here. Obviously, I have to decide very quickly what I'm going to do here. Is the Lord asking me, because I have people waiting for me and the meeting has its importance, Is the Lord asking me to gently say to this person that uh, I'd I'd love to speak to you? Can we set a time later on, and go forward onward to the meeting? Or is the Lord asking me in the immediate, right now distress of this person to set everything else aside and attend to this person, and we'll deal with the meeting and so forth um, when this is when when this person has been helped in the way that's necessary? So these are real kinds of things. Or let's put it in. in the married vocation, you have a, a a project for work that you have to get done this evening because it's a rush for tomorrow and the boss needs it. Uh, you've all, already promised to spend some time with your son or daughter this evening, and he or she is looking forward to it. But at work today, this urgency came up. You're driving home. You only have a few minutes here. Lord, what do you want me to do? Is it your will that I uh, do this project for work or? that I honor this time for for my child as planned. So these kinds of things come up all the time. Now, in wanting Jesus to be Lord in all of these things, I'll just give, this is actually a kind of um, simple way to present what in theological terms, if we use uh, Thomistic language, would be the application of the virtue of prudence, Mm -hmm. which is the virtue by which we choose it's the best means to the end? The end here is to love God in this situation. And what is the best means to love God in this situation? So I would say, what you do as you're driving home, or what I do in that split second, and you can do this. Now, we don't begin this way, but if we try to live this way, we'll grow in this. Uh, you just, you would give it, in the time you have, you review the factors involved. So it's one thing, for example, if tonight is my son's birthday, or um, an important little league game. If it's another if we are just gonna play a game together that um, he'll be fine with if we do it tomorrow evening, for example. It's one thing if um, the project really is this urgent and there's no other way to do it than at this time. It's another if I'd have the necessary time in another way and so on. So what we do is we review the factors involved. We make our best decision. And I say that advisedly, our best decision. Is it always going to be the perfect decision? Not necessarily. But here's a principle for the spiritual life. God never asks of us to do better than our best. Mm. We make the best decision that we can make in this situation. And the third step is equally important. We do it with peace. Lord, I think you really want me to spend this time with my son. Lord, I think I really need to ask my son to wait till tomorrow. And what we can do sometimes is have, Having prayed and, and made our best decision, we then worry forever about whether we made the right decision or not. Once you've done your best, do it with peace. But then here's the final step, which I'll take from St. Ignatius of Loyola. When you get a chance, especially if you do something like an examine or an examination of conscience toward the end of the day, review that decision. You know what, I can see in retrospect it was the right thing. You know what, I can see in retrospect that another time in that situation, probably I should make the other decision. And what happens in this case is that we're learning and we're growing day by day, which is a beautiful thing. So what are the steps? Pray, ask God's help, review the factors, make your best decision, do it with peace, review it and learn from it. Now in between these small daily decisions and the vocational decision, are there's a whole gamut of other decisions depending on their importance and the time involved. We'll seek the Lord's will in them, but but yeah, yeah. Look, this is a God who says that uh, even the hairs on your head are counted. Everything in our lives is precious to God. His love embraces everything. And when two people love each other, they don't have sections of their life that are excluded from that love. They want everything to be involved. And actually, you know, Mario, sometimes we can feel that, well, it that seems like a recipe for a lot of worry you know a lot of anxiety well did i get it right or didn't i i think it's the other way around actually it's when we're not seeking god's will in these things in the ways that i've mentioned that's when it's hard to resolve the worry because we never we feel like we never quite know but when we've done our best in a peaceful way that is appropriate to the nature of the situation at hand then something beautiful comes into it, and I'll just this last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop great. talking here. No, but you're doing great. It, Thank you. It's this, um, it's this lovely line from um, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy. You know, nella sua volontà è la nostra pace. In his will is our peace, and that's that's so true. When you sit down to spend the morning doing this or that, and you've done this, Lord, as best I can see, this is what you want me to do. Then you can let all the anxiety go and you can just apply your energies to what you're doing. Maybe I will add one more thing. Um, for years, I, I have tried sincerely, probably imperfectly, but sincerely to um, pray the examine prayer toward the end of the day, reviewing the day with the Lord. That's a whole other conversation if you want to get into it. But it's a prayer of of in which we review the spiritual experience of the day following St. Ignatius of Loyola's lead on this. And years ago, I found that um, one of the things I grew to love about that prayer was this. Most of us, as we get to the end of a day, we have some sense of what lies ahead in the coming day. Broad strokes, at least, where we'll be at work or at home or engaged in this or that or, or the other thing. And what I would start doing is planning with the Lord what the priorities would be and this is what I'll work at first, and then this, and then and then this. And I found that that gave me a lot of peace because I would arise the next day already with a at least a global ballpark sense of where the Lord wanted me to be and how he wanted me to use my time and my energies. And there really is a lot of peace in that. So yes, this, this is a pathway toward out of a lot of anxiety and into a communion with the Lord that um, releases energy for life.
0: I think you know the keys of what you're saying here is that we have to have a certain degree of gentleness with ourselves, and a certain recognition that have we done our best in 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 these decisions. No one's going to be perfect. No one's going to make every decision 100 percent right every time. But when you follow up with it and you do that reflective process after the fact, whether that's at the examine or in just an, a, another way, to do some of the reflection on the decisions that you made throughout the day. It kind of, as you said, it's, it's a virtue. It's, it's an acquired habit. It's a, it's, you, you learn over time which decisions work best for you and what don't. And so that means if you need to set firmer boundaries with your time, that's something that you end up learning or firmer boundaries on with yourself or whatever that is. Those are things that you kind of acquire over time. But I know that like, um, I guess with, with stuff that I hear, you know, what I've heard in counseling or even in conversation, even stuff that comes up in my mind is like, I know a lot of people who, as you've said, yeah, God wants to reveal himself. God is intimate. God knows every uh, hair on our head, but some folks really just have a hard time. And I think even in my own life, there are times where I'm like, man, Lord, I really just don't know what you want right now. I can't discern what the greater good is. Why, why do you make it so hard? And I know we kind of get into some of that discouragement. um, but finding that place of saying, okay, Lord, like, how do I respond to what's before me? And how do I, how then do I act towards making the circumstance or the situation better? Uh, whether that's in a relationship or, or anything of that nature. Um, what would you say to somebody who, 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 who finds that discouragement, finds that difficulty in saying God's will just doesn't seem to be as clear for me as it is for so-and-so or so-and-so?
1: What's coming to mind as you're saying that is, uh, when I was, uh, a graduate student doing my uh, doctoral thesis, and uh, this happened a number of times. I had a wonderful Jesuit who is uh, still living and one of the leading Ignatian experts in the world, and um, I would review the material, write up the next set of pages, and so on, and uh, would give it to him. We would be meeting every couple of weeks doing this. And when we met, he would give me return to me the pages submitted the preceding time with his observations and comments. And um I was the one who was supposed to be, be- becoming the expert on this particular topic, but he, he repeatedly he would show me all kinds of things in the in the subject matter that I hadn't even seen. and i I got a little discouraged finally, and I said, "Well, you know, fathers, there's something wrong with me. I mean, I, why don't I see these things?" And He gave the best answer he could have given, which has always stayed with me. He just kind of smiled a bit and said, no, nothing wrong with you. It's just that I've been at this a long time. Mm. So that's the first thing I'd say. We aren't going to start out as experts in discernment. If it's of comfort to anyone, one of the earliest discernments Ignatius made uh, shortly after his conversion was – whether he was going to kill somebody or not for speaking badly of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He still had this kind of knight's honor and you defend your lady's honor and so forth. Obviously, a very rudimentary stage of the spiritual life here. And he let the mule he was riding make the decision for him. They got to a fork in the road. If the mule went one way, which took him toward where this man was, he was going to be honor bound to kill this man. Uh, If the mule took the other way, which carried him simply along his path and away from this man, he would uh, understand that God didn't want him to do this. Fortunately, the mule made the right decision, <laughs> or, or history might have been different in various ways. But again, it's just a way of saying that uh, neither, neither did Ignatius himself start out as a master in this. So the way you began your question, Mario, I think is exactly on target. all of this should be suffused with gentleness. If we find ourselves uh, kind of agonizing and suffering and... Um, getting harsh with ourselves and so on because we don't see clearly, then we need to know that God isn't asking that of us. You can let all of that go. Um, So that's the first thing. This is a journey of growth. The second thing I would say is one of the great helps toward growing on this journey of increased ability to, to see God's will in various situations is to learn from the church's rich spiritual tradition. We're not the first ones who have lived this Christian life, have loved the Lord, have wanted to do God's will, and have needed help in in um, learning how to move toward clarity with regard to that will. And I'd say Ignatius is um, not certainly not the only uh, exponent of this in the church's tradition, but I think we can easily say he's the primary exponent of the church's wisdom on how to discern God's will in uh, in practice in, in our lives. And so I would say um, delve into that tradition. I'm always reluctant to mention my own materials, but I've written a number of books precisely for that purpose, to try to make this accessible to people, let alone podcasts and um, TV presentations and so on. But I'm certainly not the only author. There, there's a wealth of material material. Available to help us learn more about discernment. You know, I've had so many people tell me uh, as they've delved into this Ignatian teaching, uh, what a difference it's made in their lives, and how, how very often how important discernment's clarified for them as they simply learned more from Ignatius about a pathway toward discernment. And then a third thing I'll say, because this question is endless in a way. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a subset of the question of. Why doesn't God just make everything easy for us?
0: Yes, well, it is.
1: It is. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, the ultimate ultimate answer to that is original sin and redemption. You know, (laughs) if we want to go back to the roots of that. But this is an important subset of that question. One of the things I've also seen over the years in working with people, certainly myself as well, in discernments I faced and working with people is that One of the reasons for which God may not give immediate clarity, but may require a person, uh, require is too strong of a word there, invite the person to um, undertake a journey of discernment, which depending on the specific discernment might be a matter of days, weeks, months, in some cases longer, is because what God is giving in that case is twofold. God gives not only the clarity, we have a promise, ask and you will receive, seek and you'll find. And we, if we pursue that path well, we're always going to find, uh, achieve the clarity that we need in the way that God wants to give it. <clears throat> but the second thing is that we're also going to grow spiritually, um, sometimes enormously. We're, our prayer is going to deepen, our communion with the Lord is going to deepen out of that need that brings us to him. We are probably going to learn more from the tradition in the ways that I've just mentioned. On the other side of the discernment, we may finally get past certain things that have weighed, maybe at length, on our relationship with the Lord. There'll be a new freedom in that relationship. Energies are being released. I, my own sense is that the Lord loves us too much, simply to, you know, to function. This is, if, if I can say this reverently, like a slot machine. You know, you put in your coin and you get out the result. Uh, it's too personal it's there's too much love and too much relationship for him to do that it's more like a parent teaching a child a new skill there's a deep relationship and a bonding and a growth that goes on in the process and i think that's at least one reason why god will call us to this process so it's really important when we're dealing with discernment not to let ourselves be swallowed up by anxiety and um, pressuring ourselves and self-criticism, and there must be something wrong with me. Uh, and on the other hand, to open ourselves with confidence to the tradition, get the help that we need, engage in the process of discernment. And I'll say finally, uh, in regard to this question, there is a big difference between two, pre- two people who face the same discernment, neither of which has the clarity that he or she needs one of whom is not in a process of discernment, so things are just kind of staying in the same place, which is discouraging, and the second who does not have an answer but who is engaged in a process of discernment as our Catholic tradition teaches it. There's so much more hope in that situation. Uh, So that's the invitation. Learn from the tradition, engage it, put it into practice, and a lot of good things are gonna happen.
0: Hey everybody, this is Dr. Marcy Kossin. I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Father Timothy Gallagher. To encourage you to check out our latest resource of Faith and Marriage, our YouTube channel. On YouTube, we have all of our Facebook live discussions that we have done during this time of quarantine. Jason and I have interviewed numerous people and friends, experts to be able to talk about how to integrate life during the midst of this quarantine while also trying to be able to start talking about what life is gonna look like afterwards. So if you're looking for more great advice on how to integrate your faith with your family in the midst of these troubling times, then please check out our YouTube channel, Faith in Marriage. You're gonna love it. There are great videos, great resources there waiting for you. So check it out, Faith and Marriage, on YouTube. Yeah, this isn't like we're, you said, slot machine. The the image that I've always used has been Pinocchio. You know, the God isn't just up there pulling strings and just like some marionette. We're just going to kind of get moved around. Or we're just these robots on some conveyor belt going to some predetermined end that Our personality, our freedom, our uh, totality of who we are is always part of the equation. So, so back to the very first question of the both and that, that God, God does guide, but God always leads, leaves a little bit of room to make sure that our free will is always intact. Um, So. But I know for, for many people and many faithful people who have tried, I guess I want to press on this just a little bit more with just saying with the discouragement piece is, for example, somebody who maybe felt called to start some ministry or um went to a religious community and really discerned that for a number of years. And then, well, you know, not every community is as healthy as others. Let's just, you know, say that honestly. seminary, sometimes, some are healthier than others. Um, but then they encounter the the not even necessarily their own sin, but maybe the sin of the system or the or the situation, and that forces them to to leave and to reconsider. And so they feel uh, at times kind of like a like almost like a failed discernment, or that sin has prevented God's will to be done. Um, what are your thoughts on on a situation like that where they genuinely felt they did all that process? They they this was where they're supposed to be, but then. The reality of whatever the environment was, as it revealed itself over the course of the years that they were involved in that, led them to say, "Okay, it's time. It's time to remove myself from from this situation."
1: All right, another important question, and let's look at that first through an example, and then let's look at, um, I guess I'll call it the theology that yeah, underlies the principles there, uh, the answers. Uh, look at the parents of Saint Therese, and her father. You know, as we know his life, both of them canonized now. Uh, d- deeply wanted to be a religious, actually went and spoke to a community of religious and was refused because of his struggles with, uh, with Latin. He just wasn't considered um, really uh, able to do it good enough to his grave disappointment. And the same thing in a different way with his wife, who longed to be a religious, actually spoke about it, uh, was not allowed to enter, always uh, uh, ad- kind of, in a holy way, envied her sister who did become a religious. And uh, the two of them wound up marrying with the results that we know. You know, They became the parents of the greatest saint of modern times. And we can also look at uh, the second of their daughters whose cause of canonization has been begun. And this was the problem daughter, Leonie, who is now the servant of God, Leonie Martin. She also eventually became a religious. She tried to enter the Poor Clares. Um, She had to leave after eight days. She tried to enter Francis de Sales, Sisters of the Visitation. She had to leave after six months. She made a second try with that same community. She had to leave after two years. She made a third try with that same community and spent the last 41 years of her life in that community and her cause of canonization is now underway. So I, I just use this example. We could use many others. Think of St. Anthony of Padua going to Africa with the intention of being a mission, missionary. The ship gets blown off course because of a storm. He winds up in Italy, eventually joins the Franciscans and becomes the saint that we know him to be. And, and stories like this are endless in the annals of sanctity in the church. So let's never be too quick to say that we failed. Mm. It may well be that we have taken a step that was important in our, in our own spiritual journeys toward getting us to the place where the Lord will eventually uh, call us to be. All right, now to get to the principles, let's say the principles of theology that underlie this kind of thing. So this is the first thing to say. If anyone feels this is the situation in the question, I did my best to make what I thought was the decision God wanted. I entered the seminary, I tried religious life, I pursued this calling or this career. I thought God was calling me to marry this person and so on. And um, it didn't happen. Uh, Maybe I did enter, pursued this, and then a year, five years later and so forth, um, it turned out to be um, that this was not where the Lord was calling me. Does that mean that that was a bad discernment? Does that mean that I failed? No. When we discern God's will, as I said before, God never asks of us to do more than our best. Now, we are called upon to do our best, and that is to face a serious decision seriously, to get information, get spiritual guidance if we can. As I said earlier, learn from the tradition and so forth. Go through all the appropriate uh, steps involved in pursuing marriage with this person or entrance into this seminary or religious community and the like, this career and so on. And the discernment in that case, when it has all been done properly, is a good discernment. We have discerned God's will. It's not a failure, quite the contrary. But a discernment of God's will, which is a good and authentic and right discernment, never tells us what lies ahead in the future. There are going to be other steps on the journey, and they will come in their own time. For one person, it may be probably for the majority of people, let's go back to entering the seminary who enter it, probably most of them will wind up uh, staying there, but some will not. And their discernment was also authentic and well done, presuming again that they've done their, their best. And the people who ask this kind of question are gonna be people who have done their best sincerely um, to use the tools available to them, to them to make a good discernment. What it means is that God wanted as a part of their journey in life, that they spend that time in that situation before moving to what the next step is going to be. And that in a way that probably they'll only see later in life and only fully in eternity, the six months or the year uh, or the three years spent in the seminary or in the whatever situation will prove to be invaluable for that person in opening other doors and making possible other ways of serving as a person goes forward in life. When we have made our best discernment using the means and the tools such as we knew them at the time and did the best we could, that decision was a good decision. It's not a failed discernment and only good is going to come out of that. Whether the person remains for life in that situation or for uh, with a clarity that comes from subsequent discernment, understands that God is calling them to another step in life. Now, I, I guess I should say it's a different situation when the permanent commitment is already taken, obviously. We're speaking about people prior to the uh, definitive commitment.
0: Correct, yeah. So dating, uh, still novice, still seminary, you know, not a priest, not married. We're not speaking about divorce or leaving. We'll We'll save that for another time. But now, in the process of still just kind of moving forward, um, yeah, my encouragement has been, you know, like whatever good that God wanted out of that will happen. And whatever in your heart and your desire was longing for, for some fulfillment in that state of life, God will still bless that and will still bring that. But what this time does is it does bring about a necessary season of purification, of uh, reevalu, you know, reassessing, reevaluing kind of what it is that we've done with our lives and what it is that, that God is, is calling us to. But we said what I liked is of the many things that you said, but a reminder that we really only have today and we only have this step in front of us. And as we discern, we may think that whatever the future could hold could hold, but all we can do is discern in reality in the context of where we find ourselves today and that God reveals himself to us in these particular situations. Um, so I think, I think it's good for us to be, to be reminded that, that we have to be patient, we have to be gentle, but we also have to kind of let go of expectations of, of the distant future and to say, okay, well, what's happening before me today and what am I responsible for in this moment? What's this decision I need to make? How do I make the best decision given the circumstances, um, whether that means staying or going or leaving or whatever that is. Now, you know, this process that we've spoken about so far has been one of a reflective process and a prayerful process being connected with the Lord. Developing that relationship, learning how to trust him, recognizing that this is a skill like other skills, that you get better at it over time as you kind of put work towards it. You kind of know how God operates within your life and how he's kind of calling you. But I hear sometimes people put a lot of stock on on externals. Um, I'll say the the nine-day novena to Therese and, and I'll wait for the the, the roses to come. Um, or I'll drop the Bible a few times and I'll play Bible roulette as we kind of joke, you know, in the passage there. What What service do those externals have? Uh, Or even the example that you gave of, I'm just going to let go of the donkey and whichever way the donkey goes, you know, is is the direction that God wants for me. Or I'm driving down the road and I keep seeing that one billboard over and over again. And that's the one, you know, what what stock do we put in externals like that to be able to make a decision with regards to discernment?
1: Well, I think that God and his great love for us takes us just where we are and, uh, and works with us. And we may or may not, for example, know in any kind of depth the, uh, the, the teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola with the various steps and the way to proceed and how to understand experience and so forth. We can learn that with time. But at a given time when we're making a discernment, uh, we, we may not know those things and so I, I think I think this is something I've seen so many times in life. The beauty of all of this is that everything we're talking about is um, suffused with mercy. Uh, if I look at some of the discernments, you know, I, I do a lot of teaching on discernment. I've written books on it and so on. If I look at some of the discernments that I've made, you know, earlier in life or I mean, they're not always perfect even now, uh, and somehow the Lord got me to the right place through them. I'm just thinking of uh, a time when I did a, a three-summer intensive course on the integration of, Christian psych- of, of a psychology based on a Christian anthropology into things like spiritual direction, retreat work, and a discernment of vocations, and fell so in love with that teaching that I thought that I was being called to pursue that, you know, formally with um, graduate studies until our religious superior, when I mentioned it to him, gently uh, told me he had other things he wanted me to do. (laughs) And and I'm forever grateful for that because it would have sidetracked me from where I believe the Lord really wanted me. And that's this work in spiritual theology and discernment and prayer and so forth that's been my life now for about 20 years. Uh, God's mercy is the final word on all of this. You know, in some of the early Jesuit commentaries on the spiritual exercises, the first generation you know, back in the 16th century, you'll, you'll read this thought that, about people seeking God's will. If God tells us that he goes after the lost sheep who is doing everything that it can to get away from God and not be found and be lost, how much more is God going to respond to those who are doing everything they can to follow him? So that, again, takes a lot of the anxiety out of this and the burden and the anguish. Uh, we're working with a merciful and loving God who will find the way to um, to get the answer to us in these things. But now I got sidetracked enough so that I, I lost your original question, Mario. External which was,
0: signs. So we say the novena. Okay, external we, get, signs. we get the All rose. Right. Uh, we, we pray for the prophecy or those words to come. What, what what stock do we yeah. put in those things uh, as opposed to the, the process that we've been laying out?
1: Right. Well, I'm smiling here uh, because I don't ever mind getting sidetracked and to speak about God's mercy because I don't think we've ever heard enough about it. No, we haven't. <laughs> um, so, but uh, to get back to our point here, I think um, when people make their discernments on the basis of what they know and it's sincere, then I think God's going to honor that. And many good discernments have been made that way. However, that does not dispense us when we know that the church has a tradition and a wisdom that can help us along a solid path of discernment, uh, to explore that tradition, to learn from it, the formation in it that we spoke about before and to use it, adopt it in pursuing a discernment. So I would say that, um, God will take us where we are. God can incorporate in scripture, you know, he's using dreams and all kinds of things, but none of that dispenses us from learning and employing in our discernment, the rich, solid wisdom of the church's tradition on discernment.
0: So to some degree, if I may say it this way, look at it as something supplemental in the sense that like, you know, if, I guess I can speak in my own experience again, like when we were, Chris and I, when we were first married, we, um, did two years of missionary work in a rural community in Alabama. And the, the priest that was there, we, we, we served with the community, um, the, the Trinitarians. The priest that was there with us, um, good holy man, Father Dennis Barry, uh, good man. And there was a, somebody in the parish who he felt very genuinely had a, had a gift of, of locutions, that Christ came to her as Christ the bridegroom and would speak these beautiful things, and she had these beautiful visions. And, and he felt very sincerely that they were that they were valid. But he said to us, he said, you know, in this this was a while ago, I and mean, this really helped me out. He said, you know, if she says something to you that Jesus is speaking X, Y, and Z, he says, only take that if it confirms what you've been getting in your own life. Like, if if you've been feeling within yourself that God has been calling me to do this, this, and this, and then she says this, this, and this as a confirmment for that, okay, then great. But if what she says runs contrary to what you feel is inside of your spirit, then you have to be able to let that go because God would have spoken that to you first and foremost, and not just through her. And I thought that that was that was a that was a great rule of thumb that has a, that I've, I've been able to use throughout my own life when people say, "Oh, well, God's calling you to this" or "God's calling you to this," and I'm like, "Well, He hasn't told me that, you know." And so I'm trying to do my work of discernment, and I will I will take that. I will I won't just discredit it. But I'll, I'll listen to it. But then I have to really kind of get back to really doing that process of what is it that I feel that God is calling me to. And so, you know, when it comes to some of these external signs, I guess, you know, I'm grateful to receive them. But, but I, I've always seen them kind of because of that, that formation, I would say early on, as something supplemental, if that's the right word, um, secondary, maybe a little bit of a wink or an encouragement. But it's never been the thing that I've like hung my hat on when, when making a, a big decision. What do you think?
1: Yes, I think the the priest's counsel on that was exactly on target. That um, no one else can discern for you. The discernment is always something between an individual and the Lord. Others can accompany us and help us uh, share the, um, the you know help form us in the church's tradition on how to proceed with discernment, help confirm things for us, and so forth. Indicate the steps to pursue. But a wise spiritual director will never discern for you. He or she will only help you to discern. And that's, that's basically the principle behind what the, the priest was saying. So I think that was exactly on target.
0: Yeah, I think that with what you're saying right now, one of the challenges in marriage is, and in when couples are dating, is that one might have a firm opinion about, we need to do this or this, but the other isn't quite there yet. And so a mutual discernment when it comes to a relationship um, can be challenging at times, but I think the principle still applies, which is okay. So couples that are dating, one seems pretty clear that we're supposed to get married, but the other isn't firm about that yet. You can't force the other person to be like, "Well, God's telling me, you know, get married," and so you gotta you gotta move forward. with That that type of pressure doesn't isn't coming from the Lord. It's gotta be uh, of mutual respect in of, of a mutual process uh, as you move forward in in making discernments. Um, so, but moving along here, because I, I want to honor our time. One other question, and, and love to get your wisdom on this, is that okay? So, you've done this process. You you make you you pray. You find yourself your person of prayer again. Nobody's perfect, but you do the best that you can, and you feel that you can do that. You 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 weigh the options, and then you kind of make the decision, or you weigh the options, but then the decisions before you. Sometimes I I where I've seen people get paralyzed again is almost like they feel like they have like they have to ask permission like it's like I'm waiting for God's permission to be able to do this um or if God would just make it again crystal clear what encouragement or what thoughts do you have with that with somebody who keeps saying that, that sense of like needing permission to 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 pursue x y or z
1: to answer that Mario I have to ask a question first Fire. is there a difference between Uh, God giving clarity in a discernment. There is option A and option B. And through a good process of discernment, God showing that his will is option A. Is there a difference between that and God giving permission?
0: You mean if you're saying like God's made it clear that option A is the option, but still there's a reluctance to choose option A. Is that is that what you're asking? Yeah,
1: I just I I just need to understand yeah, what's it's meant question. by God giving permission.
0: Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll go with that for the sake of for the sake of conversation. Yes, like it's it's like, you know, it seems like all the signs are, are heading in this direction, but I'm still a little reluctant to 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 take the dive uh, to okay. jump then to we, jump and pursue option A.
1: Then we have uh, one of two things or maybe both involved, one might be that the process of discernment is a good process and the person is doing everything well, praying um, if it's available and um, speaking with a wise, competent spiritual um, director and so forth, and the process is just not yet mature in which case the person's sense that uh, I don't feel as though God, if we want to use that vocabulary, has given me permission to pursue this or to say the same thing, you know, God has not yet shown me clearly that this is his will, uh, is a healthy response. The person is in a process and the process still needs more time, which is very different from time passing and a person is not in a process. Okay, the person is in a healthy process, but the process is not yet complete. A different situation would be when the process really is complete and it really is clear which uh, option God wills, but it's hard for the person to act on it. And I want to speak with reverence there. I mean, Look at Jesus in the garden. It was not easy to say yes to the Father's will. And sometimes uh, it will take courage on the person's part to say yes to a discernment that is clear, but it's just hard Uh, Various things can be involved in that. It may just be very difficult in some circumstances. And this second thing would kind of get into your realm, Mario. Maybe there are some emotional dynamics at at work that make it hard for a person to commit in this way or or who knows what. And in situations like that, a certain amount of counseling, you know, could help a person come to uh, a greater freedom to actually move forward with what's already clear. So I guess what I'm saying is that there can be various possibilities in that that are all potentially included in that vocabulary of i don't really feel like i have permission or it's clear enough for me to act and this is where one-on-one spiritual direction and if helpful counseling uh, is very very helpful for the person i would say if anybody is in that situation and it's a significant choice the best thing the person could do would be to find wise and competent help, someone with whom to speak spiritually. Certainly, perhaps also um, in terms of counseling, if that's if that's helpful in the situation.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great distinction to make in terms of like is is the discernment clear, and does it still need time for clarity to come, or or is there? Um, anxieties or, or lack of courage or, or any of those things that, that kind of manifests, you know, some of the stories of the saints and I, and I forget which saint said this and I wish I, wish I knew it, but I've heard this and I don't even know if this is ap- apocryphal or not, but it's something to the effect of, effect of like one saint was, I think she was about to start a community or something. And one of her friends was like, well, you know, are you sure this is what God wants? Are you sure what this is what God wants? And she says, well, you know, I've prayed about this. I've discerned this and I've given God ample time to say otherwise and so otherwise it's his will or it's his fault, you know, basically saying like, <laughs> I've given him enough time. And, and if he's not, hasn't made it clear otherwise, then, then, you know, we're moving forward with this. And, and that type of boldness, um, I think sometimes it's, is, 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 uh, in a playfulness, not just boldness, but that playfulness is at times kind of lacking and I want to encourage people again, back to, back to that, you know, to say that like, you know, we're going to make mistakes, um. I think the beautiful thing of the Thomas Merton prayer, you know, the, like that my, my, my desire to do Your will does in fact please You, and and we can rest on that. That you know we're trying the best that we can. Um, so with the few minutes that we do have left here, I do want to end with this because this has been a phrase that um, you've brought up repeatedly in kind of your more recent lectures. The notion of beginning again, something that has really struck me, and I think it applies appropriately to this this concept, this conversation about discerning God's will. That that. We encounter our own sin and our own failings, and we're not perfect. And so, you know, even if we feel that we've failed God, um, God's mercy is larger than any feeling that we have. And so, like, we can always start over. There's always a new decision that can be made. There's always a new discernment. Uh, um, something good can come out of whatever the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Or conversely, we, we contend with other people's sins and, and brokenness as well. But even, but regardless, like the choice to begin again, um, as, uh, blessed, uh, blessed servant of God, uh, Uh, venerable, venerable, sorry, it's venerable. I want to get my title correctly. Venerable Bruno, uh, thank you, you know, says is to encourage people to say that, you know, like every day is a new, is a new day. And so any other thoughts that you would love to add here when it comes to beginning again, with regards to discerning God's will in our life. You've left the best for the last. I did. I know I did. I left it there for you. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: I'll just say a little bit about that. Um, But I'm so glad you've asked that because this gives so much hope to so many people. Um, If ever any one of us feels something like this, and I speak with reverence here, I've made bad decisions in my life. Uh, I've gotten myself into situations that have gone badly. There have been consequences to this. Um, it's too late. I can't anymore hope for the same kind of closeness with God or holiness or yes to the Lord that maybe earlier in my life that I hoped for. If any ever any one of us feels that, then know with absolute certitude that that is the voice of the tempter, the one that Ignatius calls, with a beautiful choice of words, the enemy, one who is inimical to the truth of our lives. And that is never the voice of God. Because this is Venerable Bruno's teaching, that there is never anything we can have done, never anywhere we can have been in our lives, or even be in our lives, even today, even right now, that can ever stop us, not even tomorrow, but right now, in this moment, From simply turning to God, if we need it, asking for forgiveness that he thrills with joy to give, that he's eager to give. Venerable Bruno goes even further. We give him honor when we ask that forgiveness of him and then beginning again. And to one discouraged woman, uh, I'll I'll just say this anecdotally. I uh, have been doing a number of retreats on this teaching recently. And um, in the sharing uh, in front of the whole group, one woman said, you know, I used to think that, say, my prayer or my patience with my children or whatever didn't go well today. And I would turn to the Lord and say, well, Lord, today didn't go well, but tomorrow's another day. And that's beautiful. But she said, now I've learned that I don't have to wait till tomorrow. I can, be, I can do it right now. I can begin right now. And just the releasing of, of energy. So, yes, that, that teaching about beginning again as a door that is always open to us is one of the beautiful things. In fact, so much so that when I wrote the biography of Venerable Bruno, that's the title of the book begin again. And I don't want to get into my books, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I have uh, written about this theme itself recently. So I, I love it. I've seen this, um, Teaching about the open door to beginning again, as he says, not only every day, but every hour of the day. Of himself, he says, if I should fall a thousand times a day, a thousand times a day with peace in my heart, I will begin again. Recognizing who I am, recognizing the love in the Father's heart for me and starting again. So, uh you you couldn't have found a better way to uh bring this conversation to a closure mario
0: <laughs> thank you thank you well uh, i'm just i'm uh, teeing you off it's like te- teeing you up i should say you know so you can knock it out of the park that's that's my job here um well F- father gallagher thank you again it's always a joy having these conversations with you and your gentleness and your uh wisdom and encouragement to people and i just pray for the listeners certainly again that that they can begin again and Learn how God is operating in their lives and to be again gentle and merciful. And we all need to, to do that uh, so that we can all be those best versions of ourselves and to know that God wills that for us, desires that for us. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there somehow. So God bless you. Amen. God bless you, Father Gallagher. Thank you so much for giving me the time today. Thank you, Mario. All right. Well, that does it. Another great episode is done. Thank you guys for listening. I just want to encourage all of you. I want to remind you that discernment is tricky business. Sometimes in my own life, when I'm trying to discern something, I kind of feel like I'm that kid playing the game, you know, warmer or colder. You know, when you're you're out there, in the playground with your eyes closed and the kids are trying to guide you to some particular prize and all they're doing is yelling warmer, colder as you get closer or further away from whatever the, the prize or the objective is. Sometimes that's how discernment is. That's how I feel at least at times where it's like I'm fumbling in the dark and I'm just waiting for God to yell warmer or colder until I find it. Now that may sound a little cynical, but you know, sometimes that's, that's how I feel. But I pray that this episode has been an encouragement to you to give you some some real practical advice and guidance on how to be able to grow those discernment muscles. God wants to reveal himself to us. God wants to make his plan and his presence known. And while he doesn't make it easy, it doesn't come in a menu, doesn't come in a text message, the process of being able to discern his will is like falling in love. It's like learning how to talk to your wife. It's like learning how to listen to your spouse. It's part of an ongoing conversation that will extend not just to here on earth but for the rest of eternity where we get to share our lives completely with God's life. And remember, that's ultimately what we're heading for and what we're designed for is for peace and unity with God Almighty for all of eternity. So everything that we're learning this side of heaven, every aspect, every heartache, every joy is all setting us up, is all leading us towards that great moment where we will be in that eternal embrace with God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God bless you guys. Hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Leave a comment or review on on, uh, Apple Podcasts. And we look forward to sharing the next one with you. Take care. Bye-bye.